Hello, this is CC Kim. And this is Jim Bacho. And this is Movies About Music, episode nine. Yeah, this is episode nine. And we just finished watching a movie called Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes. And we're going to talk about that. But we're also going to talk about another movie, which is <laughs> the movie that we have neglected and wanted to do a podcast on for a long time. And we've been teasing this for at mm-hmm. least three episodes, I think, <laughs> for a month and a half. I had recently resubscribe to Mubi, M-U-B-I, the streaming service, which is like an art film kind of streaming service that I like. I was just sort of scouring through to see if there's any movies about music. And this one caught my eye. It's a Koslowski film. He's a Polish director who did the famous Three Colors films. Mm -hmm. And he made this movie called The Double Life of Veronica or... Mm -hmm. La Double Vie de Veronique. So we watched that last night. Mm -hmm. As we were watching... Well, actually, about two-thirds of the way through, I think we realized this is not a movie about music. Yeah, it it didn't fit any of the criteria that we had determined at at the very beginning of this podcast, right? Yeah, it didn't fit any of the criteria. I kept waiting for the film to come around to something Mm -hmm. musical to tie it together, and it just didn't happen. The, The story basically is there's these two women. One is Veronica Mm -hmm. and Veronique. Mm -hmm. They are the same actress. Right. Irene Jacob. And so she plays these two roles and these two lives are intertwined. One lives in Mm -hmm. Poland and the other lives in Paris. Mm -hmm. They cross paths once. Mm -hmm. They both have music in their lives. So one of them is a singer Mm -hmm. and the other one is a teacher. Yeah, like a music teacher. Yeah. The first woman who is Polish, Mm -hmm. she gets kind of her breakthrough And she sings for this composer that they've discovered, who's a Dutch composer that nobody Mm. had heard of, but that they'd recently discovered him and uncovered his music. It turns out this is Zbigniew Preisner, who is a composer that Kislowski works with. An amazing composer. I love this guy. He did my favorite Requiem, Mm -hmm. Requiem for a Friend by Preisner. And that friend that he's writing about is... Kislowski. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Um, you've probably heard the Lacrimosa before with this mm-hmm. gorgeous soprano singer. I can't remember her name. Was it the same as the singer in the movie? No, I don't. Well, actually, I don't know. I, I was thinking at one point that it, there was one piece of music mm-hmm. where it was her. Um, it was later in the film. That singing was gorgeous. Yeah, the singing was gorgeous. it was also very unique. He's a very original, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of one of these Eastern European composers, Mm -hmm. you know, very dark and intense and brooding. But he has an interesting sense of melody. Mm -hmm. He kind of builds, 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 builds. I really love it. And the singing is Mm -hmm. very demanding in Mm -hmm. his compositions. He's worked with Koslowski a bunch of times through the the Colors films, I think. Mm -hmm. I was expecting more from this movie in, in that I was expecting the music to sort of I wanted it to tie things together musically. Right. More At than least it did. tie the two characters together or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there was no overlap musically between the two right. characters. I really enjoyed it though. Mm-hmm. I and I don't think you liked it quite as much. That would be an understatement because I was deeply annoyed at this movie. What what annoyed you about the movie? I'm not in- inherently against art films. I have watched my share of art films, so it's not that, you know, if if anything strays from the mainstream, I don't watch it and I have a hard time. I'm not that kind of person. But this is just I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> What, what, why am I watching this? What is this? So, so they were basically each other's doppelgangers.
doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else that tied them together. It was, the implication was that Veronique has had felt the presence of Veronica her entire life, and when she died, Veronica dies in the middle. Yeah, it, it, actually, in the beginning of the movie, um, she dies as she was singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and Veronique, she's over all over there in Paris, and she's like, oh. I feel a loss suddenly. Yeah. Like, oh, je le sens. Like, you know, it's just like all of a sudden she's like crying for no reason. And mm-hmm. she's just like, I just have this sensation that I am grieving something or somebody as if a part of me was, you know, just just disappeared, died or whatever for no reason whatsoever. And this kind of leads her to do a bunch of things that have nothing to do with anything. And then it just like, and, but the most annoying thing about this director what's his name again koslavsky koslavsky i have had enough of him because i watched all three of um the the trois couleurs the the three colors i noticed that there was a pattern i understand that the cinematography is gorgeous i love irene jacob i love interestingly i love um all the all three of the um the main actresses of Mm, i love juliette pinoche i love julie delpy i love irene jacob but I was so, I just had enough of his movies because there's something in the way he treats his female characters, in the way he sees women or he treats women in the stories that doesn't sit right with me. And I can't put my finger on it. These women are the main characters, but they are treated strangely as if they are <laughs> supporting existences of like the male, I don't know, the male ego. I, okay, they, so they this do is the things, male gaze. This yeah. is very much the male gaze And they film. do things that are completely incomprehensible. Like, you know, these all three of these women are just insanely beautiful. Yes. And inexplicably, they put up with so many unattractive men. <laughs> inexplicably, they are so nice to men. All men, creepy men, old men. And, you know, after the first movie, like the first movie was fine. And Which, then, what do you mean the first the, movie? I want when I, the first movie that we watched together was Rouge. It yeah. was fine. But after like Blanc, for example, I was like, I've had enough of this shit. And then La Double Vie de Véronique was like the icing on the cake. You saw Blue this. though, right? Yeah, I saw Blue. It that's was probably different. the best yeah. one. Yeah, that's, that's the my, best one. That's my yeah. favorite of his yeah, films. That I mean. is the best one. Yeah. yeah. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, this happens often in art film, I mm-hmm. think, and I I don't I don't mean to I'm not going to try to defend that, but I will I, without trying to kind of try to explain mm-hmm. to people what he's doing. I'm not going to try to do that, but I think there is this kind of European and French focus on the image and mm-hmm. the yeah, and definitely. I think I've talked about this before, but what Deleuze calls the affect image, mm-hmm. which means that rather than show something that's happening, mm-hmm. you show the pathos in the person's mm-hmm. face. And it's not an easy directing to do mm-hmm. and not an easy acting to do, I should say. You know, you see through the person's eyes what's happening. And this is, I think, very much something very common in French cinema is this play with images. Mm-hmm. And one of the most you know, well-used images is the, is the image of mm-hmm. a beautiful woman's face. Mm-hmm. You're right. The cinematography is stunningly gorgeous mm-hmm. in this movie. And the way he compose, he and his cinematographer compose images, everything is the color Mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. the framing choice the thing with the two veronicas there's always a reflected surface mm-hmm. when he composes her shot mm-hmm. and he sets her off maybe you know on the right side of the frame and then on the left is a shot of a window or a shot of a mirror mm-hmm. or a shot of you know the rain kind of pouring down 
or, you know, we're often seeing things through windows and through glass. And then there was the scene on the train when you see this, you know, seems like a clean image of a Mm -hmm. church, but then it distorts and you realize you're inside of a train. And there's the inverted image Mm -hmm. that she's holding up. She's holding up one of these bounce, uh, Mm -hmm. like, what did they call it when I was a kid? A Super Bowl? The bouncy balls? Yeah, um, it, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And yeah. it's translucent, but uh-huh. what happens is when you look through it, it flips, it, uh-huh. it inverts the image. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of symbolic of mm-hmm. what's going on with her life. I didn't have a problem with the thing that you had a problem with in the sense of her feeling a sense of loss. That's, I think, a lot of these filmmakers trying to get into a, um, a kind of metaphysical mm-hmm. sense of the spirit and the soul and the connection to other other people and maybe there is a connection to others and we or we have these feelings or maybe a woman has this right. feeling and she can't explain it and she can't talk to the man about it mm-hmm. and she just has to deal with the feeling of it. I it, have no problem with that idea itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just the delivery of that. I didn't well, sit I think well he with does, I, I agree with you that he does kind of gaze at women. But the thing is, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not nitpicky about the male gaze. You know this about me. Yeah. I have no, you know, accept- But it is a real thing. Yeah, it, it is a real thing. But I, I'm not super nitpicky. Like, I'm not like, you know, an either or kind of person as in like, oh, the male gaze is bad. Yeah, you're and, not like Yeah, that. I'm not like that. But this felt strangely exploitative of the actress to me and call me crazy but it was really it made me feel very uncomfortable Mm. and most movies do this but this did this in this movie did this on a level that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable and I can't really articulate it precisely I'm gonna have to think about this more but it was as if he really was using her beauty and her femininity as a tool for his own gain. That's how I felt. And that's great. Mm-hmm. He has every right to do that. It was probably con- very consensual. But that's kind of all he did with it. For me, I felt like that's sort of, that was the main point of that movie. And there was mm-hmm. nothing beyond that. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt while I well, was watching if, this Well, if movie. you felt it, yeah. then it's real. Yeah. Okay. And so, even her reactions, like the, the the characters, like she wasn't a real person to me. Like mm. she didn't feel, she felt like an, sort of like an idealized version of like what a woman who looks like that would react. You know what I mean? Like it was like the, the way she speaks, the way she spoke, the way she reacted to situations, the way her boyfriend made love to her and it vaguely felt like rape. Like, it was really weird. Yeah, like, that was weird. Yeah. The, the, the love scene at the end, the yeah. quote-unquote love scene at yeah. the end was weird. I know what you're saying, and, and I can I can see it there. I, I try to grant some... Perhaps I give too much permission or too much credit to filmmakers that I appreciate. I, I'm sure I do this, in fact. But maybe the discomfort that you're feeling, and I felt it too, mm-hmm. is itself a kind of meta yeah. reflection of what she's going through, mm-hmm. of being of herself kind of... You know, there's a lot in, in art film about being watched and being looked at. Totally. And yeah. then sometimes the actor will t- return the gaze and look at the mm-hmm. camera. And she did mm-hmm. this a couple of times yeah. in the film. I wonder if that sensation that you got was intentional or right. not. So this is the key thing, I mm-hmm. think, whether or not one can appreciate this film. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm trying to show that there's the possibility of the yeah, other yeah. side of that, is that that discomfort mm-hmm. is maybe part of it. For me, I liked the idea of this sense of loss that you can't explain. Mm, okay. And and that 
there's a kind of, you know, I mean, these filmmakers are very philosophical too. I mean, a lot of them read philosophy, a lot of them read literature. Mm -hmm. This idea of kind of maybe a floating consciousness, Mm -hmm. you know, that that consciousness is not bound to the body, Mm -hmm. even as the camera tries to contain the body, you know, for spectatorship, that the consciousness can sometimes, you know, move around and that there's something else going on to this world. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at this film and trying to piece together the Mm -hmm. plot points, Mm -hmm. we're going to fail. Yeah. Right. Because it's not that it's trying to it's trying to create these series of effective relationships of Mm. being affected and her being affected Mm -hmm. that sort of add up. Now, the problem with the film, and I think we agree on this, Mm -hmm. is that it didn't really add up. Things didn't make sense. Who was the who was the puppeteer that she suddenly met? You know, there's a lot of things in the plot that just didn't didn't make sense. I think the biggest problem I had was that it didn't fascinate me and i didn't enjoy it that was that's the main problem. there you go and if, and that's all you need yeah. i don't i don't believe in this idea that if someone analyzes the film or tries to explain it that suddenly that's going to turn somebody's impression different mm-hmm. if you didn't mm-hmm. like the film you didn't yeah. like the film i liked it and i would uh, will admit another bias i am affected by beautiful women mm-hmm. that i watch in movies i'm i'm engaged i want to see yes i know the you are. No. <laughs> <laughs> i want to you know there's but I mean, there are there's there's lines to this. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, Lars von Trier is is legendary for abusing women. Mm-hmm. You know, Ingmar Bergman, one of my favorite art filmmakers, European cinema auteurs. You know, he he doesn't do this with women. I think. Um, well, th- but he does use beautiful women totally. that we gaze. I mean, my That's God, Bergman saying. film. You can use beautiful women. That's totally fine. You know who one of my favorite filmmakers is who does beautiful films with real women and depicts them as like very real characters. I'm going to get canceled for saying this. It's Roman Polanski. But I love Roman Polanski. I do too. Um, I love... Another Polish filmmaker. Yes. And he does this without feeling... I, I don't feel like the, the actress is being exploited. That's true. He Well, he's a very different filmmaker. Yeah, he's a, he He's is. a more uh, plot-driven filmmaker, mm-hmm. I think. Well, he's almost like a feminist. There's something feminist about No, but I think there's something films. feminist yeah. to Koslowski as well, because I think mm-hmm. that he... It's almost impossible to define... There's this saying that every film is a feminist film, in a sense, mm-hmm. in that, you know, it's, it's dealing with either a woman's situation or a, a woman's lack of agency yeah. in, a, in a situation. I can accept that. Yeah, I can. One could make an argument that Kozlowski is also a feminist filmmaker, but I see what you're saying. For mm-hmm. you, it, it felt like he was doing something exploitative. And I can, and I, I didn't can. really like, I wasn't fascinated by what he was doing. I, I think it's just an aesthetic thing because I love Godard and how he uses Anna Karina. Okay. Yeah. And it's because aesthetically I appreciate it. Yeah, Godard's a, he's a compl- yeah. he, another completely different filmmaker. Yeah. Like he's he's gonna play with images just on that surface. Yeah. He's not gonna go, I don't think, as deep into a woman's psyche as Kozlowski does. Yeah. He's gonna look at images of women, you yeah. know, and and, and, I, I and bam, that. bam, yeah, bam. It's a very and, aesthetic, like. Yeah. <laughs> There's two other things that we should mm-hmm. mention with this film, and mm-hmm. then we'll get to tick, tick, boom. Mm-hmm. We, neither of us like the music performances in this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and let me say the second thing <laughs> yeah. to go on top of that. So Irene Jacobs, I didn't think at least at the in the first half of the film, mm-hmm. I didn't think she was giving a very good performance. Right. And was that intentional because she was Veronica in the first half of the performance and she yeah. was Veronique. But I also saw in the credits that Irene Jacobs is Polish French. Okay. There are a lot of ethnically Polish people in France, especially mm-hmm. who immigrated there like in the, okay. the, the 70s, 80s. She 
speaks Polish, but not like native speaker level Polish.、Mm-hmm. So her lines in the first part were、mm. dubbed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So she was clearly dubbed. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was overdubbed. Right? You mean all the all、yeah. the everything was ADR? Yeah. Okay. But she was dubbed by another person, like another、oh, voice so, yeah, actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the voice didn't match the person, right? So that's probably why. And then I think,、mm-hmm. sorry, Irene,、mm-hmm. but maybe do a little more research on how a singer actually sings.、Yeah. She wasn't shaping the vowels correctly. Oh, not at all. Yeah. I mean, who knows what was going into? I the mean,、film. the director probably told her to just look pretty at all costs or something. <laughs> no, I think that's what, because that this happened. Like, yeah, but you know, I, I I don't think that he's that shallow. I think that's a possibility、right. that we can explore that he was that shallow.、Okay. That he、it's、wanted her to、question. look beautiful at all costs. I think I'm that sure that's true, but I don't、yeah. know that he would want it to be at the sacrifice of the performance. I don't think that he's so dumb that he's just looking at her beauty through a camera. Um, I wouldn't put that. Okay, past I'll, him. I'll I'll after I'll watching this movie, disagree、yeah. with you on that. <laughs>、okay. All right, <laughs> and I also know directors. Yeah, but we're talking about a、yeah. director who. Takes precise care. Yes, over what but he's that、doing. as a director, you have so much power and influence.、Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have let it slide if she was autonomously making these acting choices when during the singing performances. Yeah, I don't know because they were very like instantly correctable things. Like you know, don't tilt your head so much to the side when you're singing. Yeah, that was weird. The high notes. Yeah, that's probably a director. Maybe、note. he doesn't know singing very well. That's、so、what I'm saying. So maybe he should have hired somebody. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Hmm. Okay.、Um, any other thoughts about this movie? No. <laughs> You're done with it.、Uh, yeah, I was hoping for something different.、Um, just plot-wise, I thought there was going to be more for us to talk about.、Mm. But we decided last night that we were going to, you know, briefly talk about this movie, and then we would watch Tick Tick Boom, which is the other film we did. Why don't we take a little break before we get、mm-hmm. into that? Movies about music. Welcome back. So, tick tick boom.、Mm. I knew nothing about this movie. Yeah. Before I saw it,、mm. like l- literally, literally nothing, zero,、yeah. except that Andrew Garfield was in it and、mm. that it was a movie about music. But why did we decide to watch it then? Because it was kind of your idea in the beginning. Well, strangely enough, yeah, it was my idea、yeah. at the beginning. I just happened to notice it, and then I think you suggested that we do it.、Mm-hmm. And your friend, who's my friend? I have a friend on on Facebook. Remember? Who's that? Oh. Who? Sean. Oh, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Shout out to Sean. Yeah. Loyal listener. So yeah. So we watched it, and it is a musical、mm-hmm. about music. Yeah. So it's actually sort of autobiographical and just purely biographical. About who? About Jonathan Larson, who is the writer of the writer and director of Rent, the Broadway musical. Um, that's what he's known for. Okay,、um, and, and I didn't also, know this until the very end of the movie. I'm、right. like, oh, okay, right. And he also wrote Tick Tick Boom, which so that which makes is it, a play, which is、yeah. a a musical a Broadway show. Yeah, that this movie is based on. So it's a musical and a biopic. Yes, I hadn't seen the original show to be honest. I haven't seen the original show, and I've never seen Rent, and I've never heard of this person's name before today. Right. We had a conversation about Rent when we first met,、oh, when we first、right. started dating. Yeah, you you are much more of the musical fan than I am. Yeah, and I'm not that much of a musical fan right, though. Right. I just appreciate certain musicals that I happen to have grown up with.、Mm-hmm. When you're young and impressionable, you are drawn to things in a more pure way. Without bias, true.、Um, and rent was one of the things that I was drawn to. Okay. And I had been living in New York at the time when this came out.、Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw 
the show on Broadway twice during the 12 years it ran on Broadway, once in the 90s and once in the early 2000s. Hmm. So the one that I saw in the 90s, I believe, is mostly the original cast, which included Idina Menzel, who was a voice actress for Frozen and you okay. know, ended up becoming a household name later. But she was a Broadway diva in the 90s. Rent was one of her well-known roles. Uh, she she was a lead. She played Maureen in Rent. So Rent holds a very special place in my heart. Mm. It's because I saw it when it happened. Mm. And I think it's important to see things when they're happening in order to really understand the historical and the cultural context and also like just the overall, the climate of the society, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in that context... Rent made a little bit of sense. Can you tell me very briefly what Rent is about and what you're talking about in, in the sense of it needing to be in the time that you saw it? Okay. I'm going to defend Rent, and I can't believe I'm doing this because... Wait, no, stop there. Why do you have to defend it? Because it is the cheesiest shit ever. Okay. Yeah. We're going to... Oh, my God. We're going to get into this. <laughs> and objectively speaking, it is very cheesy. I sympathize with everybody who hates this with a passion. Okay. But I'm going to try to defend it. And I'm going to try to defend Jonathan Larson because Rent is basically an adaptation of La Boheme, Puccini's La Boheme. Mm -hmm. And it's about a bunch of New Yorkers who live in, you know, they're artists and they live in poverty, kind of. They can't pay the rent. So that's why it's called Rent, right? Because it's like the buildings are going co-opt and like, you know, they're raising the rent and it's like no longer affordable to live in Manhattan. And I think they live in mostly in the East Village, Alphabet City. And yeah, it wasn't. Brooklyn yet. Okay. But these well, people... Well, this... The yeah. movie was set in 1991, yeah. I think. But Rent, I think, was set in the 80s. Okay. In the very beginning of the AIDS epidemic, like in, in the height of the AIDS ep epidemic. So at, in, the, in the very end, everyone kind of dies of AIDS, right? Like a lot of people... The a lot end of, of, the, the, of the show? A, the end of the show. Like Puccini's La Boheme. In La Boheme, a lot of people die. In a lot of the characters die, right? Um, so it's centered around... Roger and Mimi. Mimi is also the heroine of Puccini's La Boheme. Um, Roger, I, I'm not sure. But in their romance, and she's like an exotic dancer at a strip club, and he's trying to write the, the great American songbook or something, mm -hmm. but he can't seem to write. And so th there's a little bit of Jonathan Larson in this character. <laughs> Okay. And so there's a lot of his friends in a lot of a lot of the characters in Rent. I think some of the characters we've seen in Tick Tick Boom, like I kind of see them in Rent. Mm -hmm. This became a huge hit. This resonated with a lot of Gen Xers, people your age, babe. Mm -hmm. And it became a huge Broadway hit and he he won the Pulitzer for this. But Jonathan Larson died of an aneurysm. Because he basically worked himself to death mm -hmm. and writing Rent basically killed him. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's why it's just, it's such a compelling story. And also, it was a story that a lot of people cared about because a lot of people had lost their friends to AIDS. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I don't really remember yeah, because I, I was too little. Yeah. But yeah, but a, lot of, uh, but a lot of my older, like, gay friends, for example... They told me that they lost, like, more than half of their friends mm -hmm. died mm -hmm. during a span of a decade. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really kind of taking hold among mm -hmm. artists. Yeah, exactly. And that was hitting people really, really hard right. in that world. Right. And so Rent, the success of Rent was a reaction okay. to that, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, because I, again, I didn't know any of this that you're telling me. So this is all new to me even right now. 
I like to go into a movie cold and mm-hmm. and have the movie be itself mm-hmm. and then experience its own unfolding mm-hmm. without knowing anything mm-hmm. as much as possible right. as much as I can possibly do. I don't even like watching trailers. Right. I'll stop a trailer halfway through I'll say, "Okay, I can see where this is going. Don't show me anymore." And, you know, I'll decide based on that. I ha- I didn't know anything about this mm-hmm. and I don't know anything about that show and I mm-hmm. don't know anything about that person. So I what I'm going to talk about in the film is just my experience of the film. Right. But can it, I say something first? Sure, yeah. yeah. All that that I said about Rent, I found this movie to be unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was in pain watching this yeah. movie. I was in I know you. serious pain. And I'm, you know, this is the point in our little podcast mm-hmm. where I'm sure people will see tick, tick, boom on the title of the mm-hmm. of the YouTube or the podcast and go, oh, they're going to talk about this movie that I mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I don't like to trash on things unless it's whiplash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to trash on this film uh-huh. because this isn't my kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But I found it to be from beginning to end of this what's felt like a very long two hours mm-hmm, it did to be a series of cliches mm-hmm. at every level of filmmaking mm-hmm. yeah. the only time they broke the cliche and i and where i became interested was do you remember we were talking about a backstage musical and mm-hmm. a straight musical yeah yeah they did this interesting thing where they had the backstage and the straight at the same time as a duet mm-hmm. i thought that was a cool yeah. and that was also probably the best song yeah, it was. Yeah. I thought the music was incredibly simple. Mm-hmm. The time was 1991. Again, I didn't know any of this that you're telling me. The time was 1991. It felt like 2021 mm-hmm. because it felt like a, these bands that only know how to write songs using straight eighth notes. So the reason so many people I love and hang out with abhor rent is because of that. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, because a lot of the people that I hang out with and love are musicians. Yeah, and this music is vanilla. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's vanilla straight eights. Mm-hmm. There's no swing at all. Yeah, everything's kind of staccato. It's really flat, and also Rent does this thing that really shocked me as a child, even. And a lot of musical theater does this, but this Rent kind of took it to another level, where, you know, it's just like he was cramming in so many words into song yeah, so but with no thing. rhyme or reason yeah. musically so it's like jim i told you to take out the trash yes. okay so it so should have taken out yesterday but the, the lyrics yeah the lyrics were as banal as the music was mm-hmm. it was sort of a series of again cliches i mean the song at the end mm-hmm. you know the grand song at mm-hmm. the end what was the line there's this repetition of just this cliche i can't mm-hmm. even remember what it was mm-hmm. it was something like don't be afraid yeah. It's almost like Christian music, oh, you know? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it does have that overt, same kind of feel. Yeah. yeah, like sincerity and right. just like cliche. And simplicity. Yeah, simplicity, yeah. yeah. So there's that. And then the <laughs> the characterizations of the people. I mean, this is also a movie. So it's not just mm-hmm. this this guy. There was major ticking of boxes. You had your Asian bass player mm-hmm. girl. You had a couple of black singers, you had a Hispanic friend, you had a gay friend. Obviously, that's part of the movie because it's it's about mm-hmm. AIDS. But it felt like the ticking of boxes, and it also felt like these were very cliched caricatures. Well, there was a revelation that I had while I was watching that, uh-huh. and it was that all of this navel-gazing and woke stuff and also yeah. this unbearable whininess that us millennials are accused of having Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we probably learned it from gen x 
because there was a lot of that going on. You might have not been part of it, but there was a lot of that, like a lot of not in popular music, not in popular popular music, but in pop culture. And so like, remember reality bites? Well, I mean, there were some every time you get onto a trend, you're going to get shit that imitates it and follows Mm -hmm. it. But that's not that's the studio signing these fucking things. Yeah, but there were a lot of movies about young people, young white people. Yes. But let me explain what was happening during the time this also happened in music this is how you get bands like bush and mm-hmm. bands like that you know they're basically you've got these pioneers who are doing something and creating something new and then the studios want will seek out mm-hmm. the imitators of that in order to cash in mm-hmm. so every movement is going to do this right this is a different thing this is not that this is you know ticking off boxes you know of, of wokeness is not the same thing as that i think it kind of stems from the same thing mm. The, I don't the, think so. the precursor was in Gen X. I'm saying uh, the precursor, it happened during the 90s. Like I specifically remember. Yeah, but you can't just cite a movie and say that no, that's the... No, no. David Foster Wallace wrote about the PC movement in 1993. Oh, okay. So let me let me yeah. go back. So there was a PC movement, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Back when I was... Yeah, in 1993. Mm-hmm. So what happened was there was things like... This is when you got the language of... Like African-American. African-American, um, differentially yeah. challenged... Um, Mm-hmm. vertically challenged everything was challenged yeah. you couldn't say it, you know it wasn't handicapped anymore yeah. it was uh, differently enabled right and so what happened was mm-hmm. what my generation did mm-hmm. was we quickly said this is stupid mm-hmm. this kind of control over language is ridiculous and what happened is a lot of people a lot of artists came out and said you know stop trying to control our thinking this was also the time of the pmrc mm-hmm. which was trying to put labels on music you know, to try to warn kids, this is Democrats doing this, by the way, trying to, you know, warn us of kids. This is the backwards masking era where, mm-hmm. they, you know, the, the musicians were sending messages to kids, you know, to tell them to kill themselves or believe in Satan or something like that. All of this came together, mm-hmm. right, into this very conservative uh trying to shut down mm. and trying to stifle creativity in the arts. Mm-hmm. But the Generation X actually stopped it. We had Frank Zappa on well, our side. Well, maybe Frank Gen Zappa Z will said, too. This is, you're not going to do this. Yeah, well, maybe Gen Z well, this will is have my hope own. for Gen yeah, Z. Yeah. This is my hope for Gen Z that, mm-hmm. that they'll stop, you know, mm-hmm. litigating art. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how we got on this. But because I accused your generation of being the precursor to navel gazing. Yeah, and I don't and I don't see it I don't see a cause of woke movement. <laughs> <laughs> I have no dog in this fight. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and and who knows? Um mm-hmm. I take umbrage to that because this is a I I I do feel good about how the nineties how we kind of weren't gonna take that. Mm-hmm. But but there's nobody standing up for art these days. Well, you don't know that. Well, I'd like to see somebody do it. But yeah. what my point being in this movie that there, I felt like there was a lot of box ticking, mm-hmm. and I wondered with the gay character, I can't remember his name. Mm, I don't either. The really short guy who wanted to be an actor. Which good luck, Michael. I think is there such a thing as a manic pixie dream homosexual? Oh no, but there is a. Um, best friend gay best friend syndrome yeah that's it yeah yeah this is what it is Mm -hmm. so it's and this is you know it's very Mm -hmm. 90s and i was kind of watching this going oh this is a little cringy Mm. so back to rent because i think talking about rent and explaining rent is like intrinsic to this conversation it's very essential that we go through what see let me just say that i didn't know any of this about 
you know, the, the meta stuff about this. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm just watching the film as a film. Right. So it's interesting that you have this knowledge. Go ahead. So the film, I thought the film was going to be about his process of writing Rent, but it turned out that it was his process of writing two shows before Rent. So he had this, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it, yeah was, it was a um, futuristic. It was a, it was a futuristic society of people who stare at screens all the time. Yeah, and who don't live their lives, but yeah. they live vicariously through rich people. Rich people are doing and famous things. Famous people. Yeah, and famous yeah. people doing things, which is eerily. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah. The thing is, mm -hmm. what what we have today is not screening rich people, it's screening each other, which right. is more scary yeah. and worse. For my. What Us I, believing that we're all celebrities. Yes. Sorry, go on. What I understand is that. This was an loosely, this was inspired by 1984, George Orwell's 1984. And yes. he wrote this, he started writing this around 1984, like around the year. Well, and of he was 19... a kid, I guess. Yeah. No, he was like, yeah, he was kind of a kid, but he was. Well, he must no, have in been 20s. 23, yeah. Yeah. This did not end up going on Broadway. It wasn't produced. Like, this was a workshop that he was doing. No producer would, you know, produce this show. So he ends up writing another one, which turned out to be Tick, Tick, Boom. And then mm -hmm. the next one is Rent, right? And so what we see is mm -hmm. a meta presentation to this film, which mm -hmm. is them on stage mm -hmm. narrating. Yeah. So there's a layer right. of narration that's going on. So the on stage thing, that is Tick, Tick, Boom. Okay, that yeah. was also really bad. Like yeah. I, I was watching that. And again, I have no idea what's going on. I thought they were just being cute with their way mm -hmm. of filming. Mm -hmm. I felt sorry for the people in the audience having to listen to this, you know, 30 year old white kid complain about his girlfriend mm -hmm. and his friend dying of AIDS mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and his difficulty in writing mm -hmm. a song mm -hmm. for his play. And it, I just kept thinking, welcome to the world, buddy. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of art is like this. It's young white men complaining about how difficult it is to be young and white and an artist. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. He's actually on stage mm -hmm. telling this to paid ticket holders. Mm -hmm. A real artist, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. has this internally within them, and then they channel it into something allegorical mm, yeah, or but inventive or creative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's very subjective. But inventive though, yeah. and creative mm -hmm. that is not so in-your-face and direct and boring and banal and mm -hmm. whiny. Yeah, but I, I could, I felt the way, I felt exactly that, the, the way you're describing this. And I'm not even defending Tick, Tick, Boom I know, because we're just I having don't a conversation even anyway. yeah. like that movie. I right, didn't, I was right. bored to tears. No, but I like that you're, you're yeah. challenging me on this. But I felt the exact same way watching Malcolm and Marie, for example. Oh. And you liked it. I liked it. Yeah. But I felt the exact same way. It was so boring and banal and so cliche and it was so whiny. But it was tense and it was... And whiny. It was tense in how annoying yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. It was very whiny. Yeah. I, I don't know how much I liked that movie. I wouldn't say I enjoyed mm -hmm. that movie, but I was fascinated. The way I saw Malcolm and Marie was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like mm -hmm. I saw it as that kind of movie, okay. which is a movie I really like. Yeah. The reason I'm being so defensive of this is because I, like I feel like... It was just, and I know that this is such a cop-out, it was just a different time. And you have to put it in that context. So that's exactly yeah. the problem that I had, I think, watching this movie, yeah. is I was seeing it as a 2022 film. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're... But just, the music, I'm sorry, the mm -hmm. music felt very 2022 to me because it was <laughs> so really vanilla. Yeah, it was so vanilla. plastic. It felt like those songs were just... No, my friends uh, who are 
very serious jazz musicians who like who play the guitar friends who are into prog rock like you are friends who listen to you know like just really out jazz and stuff like that they abhor rent they hate it so much like with such a passion also even very serious theater people they hate rent i was almost singing the melody and i knew where what chord he was going to go to Mm -hmm. when he was going to modulate just cookie cutter so the reason people hate jonathan larson's work so much is because and i think i get it this is this thing i can i get both sides the reason they hate it so much is because it is so overtly sincere without having much substance. Thank you. Yeah. That you just perfectly <laughs> stated it. Because I've thought about this. perfectly stated I it. I thought about Jonathan Larson for two decades of my life. I, it, I've been trying to rack my brain around this phenomenon for so many years, and it's just so sincere, but it, he doesn't have the tools. He didn't at that point have the tools to really convey his passion. So his passion and his sincerity were a lot bigger and his ego were just so much bigger than what he could create. And he died. The poor guy like died of an aneurysm because he worked too hard. Yeah, it's really sad. But that's why so many people are drawn to his work though. Because of said sincerity, the it's it's like two sides of the same coin. I admire that. I admire the pure naked passion and drive that drove him to write Rent, which is a clusterfuck of cheesy cliches. But he did it, and it resonated with people. Yeah, for for my part, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could really work and dedicate your life to. I mean, in a way, his friend. The one who was dying of AIDS yeah. called him out. He said, what are you doing? What is this that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Are you no, saving humanity? Yeah. And he got <laughs> he got really offended. Yeah. Yeah. And But the thing is, I admire, part of me like admires that. And I think that there is value to something that resonates so much with so many people is what I'm saying. And I don't want to be the type That's of fair. person who, you know, snubs those yeah, people. Okay. okay. That's uh, fair. Jim. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I know. Can I talk about a scene that really bothered yeah, me? Yeah, totally. It's the scene when he has to write the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I know what you're in and, the pool. And the, yeah, and the power <laughs> goes out. You know exactly yeah. what I'm going to say. You know me too well. The power goes out and he can't write his song that mm-hmm. he has to write the next morning. Mm-hmm. And so the only he says, the only thing I could think of was to go swimming. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And then he dives in the pool and then he sees the bottom of the pool mm-hmm. and it turns into this animation, this CGI, it mm-hmm. turns into notes. Right. And I turned to you and I said, this is going to be fucking August Rush. It's <laughs> yeah, really funny. And I just hate this kind of, it's kind of a deus ex machina. You know, uh-huh. it's like, oh, you you got yourself out of that, <laughs> this whole problem that you've building mm-hmm. to how am i going to write this song there's nothing meaningful that happened right you just all of a sudden and this is a, such a myth of creativity I mean, it is that yeah. you're suddenly struck by genius yeah. that solves your problem <laughs> so and then he yeah so then he's able to write this really stupid song <laughs> and he presents it to the singer who's going to sing it and she and he bows down like some Shakespearean. But I don't you know. said it was the best song in the film. It was probably the best song in the yeah, film. Yeah, it was. But it yeah. was just as boring as everything. It else. was really boring. But at uh, but... least it had a kind of a. Um, I like that it was a duet. I like that it was a backstage straight 
duet mm -hmm. kind of between worlds in a mm -hmm. sense. I'm not sure if it's the same song, but during the ending credits, Jasmine Sullivan does a remarkable, just a fucking yeah. Beautiful... You were watching the credits. I was getting the mics ready, and and I listened to the song oh, in the other room, God. and it was that singing was quite gorgeous. Oh, she's one of the best singers out there in my opinion. Yeah, she she really is the best singer I've heard in so many years. Um, and she does magic with that song. Um, mm. So that's the best thing to have Was happened. that one of his songs? Yeah, that was the song okay. that he wrote in the pool. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I like the singer. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still a stupid song. I was, I, you know, I wasn't impressed with the song, but at mm -hmm. least the singer, I right. thought was a really good singer. The ending credit singer. The en ending yeah, credit yeah. singer. Yeah. And the thing about musical theater singing, there's a lot of this shit in Jonathan Larson's songs. That's every single one. Yeah. So because he doesn't know how to write music. Yeah. He clearly did not have the the musicianship to write a musical. Right. And I don't know why Stephen Sondheim saw so much in him. Okay, so this like, brings me... Yes. Yeah. So that was Bradley Whitford, the yeah, actor, plays yeah. Stephen Sondheim, uh -huh. who recently passed away. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace. St Stephen Sondheim passed away. Not, Stephen Sondheim yeah. passed away, but he's played by Bradley Whitford. I'm, I'm wondering what that whole thing was. That actually anyway. happened, apparently. But that was weird. That was really weird and, and random. And, and you're listening to this shitty song, and yeah. then the camera cuts to Bradley Whitford kind of scratching his beard and nodding approval. <laughs> yeah, like the great one of the greatest songwriters of yeah. American history, like is sort of like really impressed with this shit. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, did that? but I think the only people who could be impressed by this is people who look at theater as money and like, oh, this could make some money. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I guess I am kind of shitting on that. No, it, it's it's just you're not you, you by this isn't far my world. this isn't this the, is not no. my world. But also, this is by far not the worst thing that anybody has said. Okay, Even I didn't know this in my friend group. Like, mm -hmm. oh my god, you should you should hear my friend talk about rent he he was i think he was in the band for the show mm. he will rip it to shreds you know what it is mm. i think this is why i was biased for so long against musicals because mm -hmm. i probably had this in the background of my 20 year old probably self yeah, yeah. as what musicals do mm -hmm. if he was that big he was big right yeah he was big okay yeah, so he probably ruined yeah. musicals for me yeah but actually i think what ruined musicals for me was um Little Shop of Horrors. I hated that movie. Oh, yeah. And there's a and lot of stuff like that. Like, I think Hairspray is one of them. I think Jesus Christ Superstar is really good. But that's Andrew well, Lloyd. Well, you know ben the one Weber. I love. What? Yeah, yeah, true. Mm. The one that I love and I adore and I want to watch with you sometime because I don't think you've mm. seen it is Hair. I've seen it. Oh, you have yeah, seen yeah. it. Okay. Love that movie. Mm. I I get choked up. Mm. That movie makes me emotional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were good musicals yeah. but there there are also some very overtly sincere ones that don't really yeah. communicate yeah. <laughs> i mean i do like musicals now i had to i taught a class on musicals mm -hmm. and i came around to them and i appreciated them more and that kind of changed me but i think now i feel more knowledgeable having talked to you about what i probably don't like about them mm. well rent is is one of its kind so there's this one line in this movie tick tick boom like there's only one jonathan larson there's like so many well, mediocre yeah and i do believe that that's true there's only one jonathan larson because nobody in their right mind would put out some shit like that i don't mm -hmm. think a true artist <laughs> a self-respecting musician writer would put out some work but, like but, that. But what's funny <laughs> is in the movie, this reverence they seem to have for him. Yeah, so I'm, t I'm trying to explain to you how much it resonated 
with a certain group of people. And I don't want to disrespect those people because I get it. I totally get it. And the rent heads out there, I totally get it. Except that I've heard too much good music. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't just yeah. have a steady diet of cheeseburgers. All yeah, my exactly. Life. So it's like, it was great back in 1995 when I first saw it. I was 12 mm -hmm. years old. It was great. It rocked my world. But since then, I've heard too much. I've heard and seen too much. Yeah. And I, if I had seen it, if I see, saw it for the first time at like 38 or mm -hmm. even like 25, mm -hmm. I would laugh my ass off. That's the kind of show Rent is. Mm -hmm. And I'm really sorry for those of, those of my friends out there who have been cast in Rent. I, I just realized that. I'm sure they can take it. Yeah, I, and I'm sure you know this about me because I have expressed this to well, you. And, and probably we're not saying anything that people who know about the musical don't otherwise already know. Right, but there's something very powerful about the 1990s original production of Rent and the performances that, you know, I was, I was there, I saw it, I know what I saw. It produced some of the best performers on Broadway. And that, I think, yeah, you know. A room full of Christians. <laughs> yeah. Joking. No, but I know that this you sounds very. I mean. You had to have been you, there. Yeah, because you said it's like Christian music. It really is. It really of, is. It's very yeah, simple yeah, and, yeah. and boring. And there's a Christian chorus kind of song in Rent. It's like something five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. How do you measure measure a year in daylight, in sunsets, and yeah, exactly. And it's really cheesy, and it's like. I know the words to the song and I'm so ashamed that I do. I have a weird love and hate relationship relationship with Rent because I could totally see how people hate this, but I also love it. Yeah, there you go. Well, that might be a good note mm -hmm. to end. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have anything else to say. I have some nitpicky things, but I think I'll just let it go. <laughs> I just want to say you were sighing very often throughout the movie. It made me feel really nervous because I thought... I was getting an upset stomach. <laughs> Oh, are you okay now? Was I'm it because okay of the movie? I don't know. I just... Um, I'd never seen you react like that. I don't think I was reacting. Oh. I don't think I was doing anything, was I? No, you looked really grumpy and you were sighing audibly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I just knew that from the very beginning mm -hmm. that I was going to have to deal with two hours of this. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad I saw it. I feel actually very educated from you. Well, Thank good. you for your mm -hmm. knowledge. Because again, I had no idea of any of this that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you one question. Please do. Would you still love me if I unironically loved Rent? <laughs> Didn't we? Because we did talk about Rent early in yeah. our relationship, like you yeah. said. And um, I thought about ending it there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, of course not. All right, then. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. So next time I have a film for us. What is it? We are finally mm. going to watch This is Spinal Tap. Oh, okay. Which you've never seen. I've never seen it. This is going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Don't read anything on it. Don't look anything up on it. But I already know what it's about. I know, but yeah. try to go in as cold as you <laughs> okay, can. Okay, yeah. I don't really see the value in going into everything cold. Because a movie is a movie. It yeah. should be self-contained and it should experience itself and unfold Fine. itself for you. Okay. Like a virgin. I don't, you know, when you're a virgin, there are so many things that you can miss because you go in cold, you know, like if you go in with some basic knowledge, like if you had known that if you had known that Jonathan Larson had written Rent, at least just that piece of information would have changed your viewing experience 
probably. No, but this is what I'm saying is I don't want that knowledge. Okay. I, I want a I want a movie always as much as possible mm-hmm. to be its own experience. Got I it. want it to do what it does itself without me having to know anything. Mm-hmm. But I can like, I? Yeah. But can I like? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm asking you for this okay. one to try all right, to I will. avoid. I will. Yeah. I'll do that. Because if you hear what other people think about it Got or all it. the cliches about yeah, it, right. it's going to... It's going to... Bias me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Under the moonlight I'll sing you a song So you'd magically feel a love that's alone Hopefully they'll live eternally if we paint ourselves all bright with stories of heroes and poets and sadness and war, of immeasurable pain, unconditional love, movies about music.